0: You're listening to a message from Gateway Church, Geelong. We hope it blesses you. For more information about Gateway, visit gc.org.au. Well, good morning, good morning, good morning, church. How are you this morning? That's good. Whether you're here in the room or watching online, I'm so excited to come around the Word with you this morning. And, you know, as Pastor Ney said, we've been super deliberate this year in our services and our preaching messages. And as we lead up to Invitation Sunday, next Sunday, this week, we're talking about mission. And you know, we heard about mission and giving, that we've got a missionary in Ukraine doing amazing things for God. And sometimes it can seem like mission is something distant and far away. But can I encourage you today that mission is in our own backyard here? Mission is our city of Geelong. Mission is seeing people like Pastor Ney said, reach, include and restore. Hearing the good news of Jesus. So can I encourage you today that if you're taking notes, the title of my message is Seeking Out the One. Let's open in prayer. Dear Lord God, I thank you that you are here with us. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'll speak to our hearts as, as I speak, that you would minister to people's hearts and that we would together go on this journey of seeking out the one. In Jesus' name, amen. So have you ever misplaced or lost something? Never. Very organized. If you've never misplaced something. For me, it's typically my car keys. And more often than not, I misplace them when I'm in a rush to be somewhere. So you're running late, and all of a sudden it's like, "Where's my car keys? Can anyone relate to that? Yep, definitely. And there's this deliberate search, this frantically hunting around, looking everywhere you've been, retracing your steps, wondering where you've been, looking two or three times in the same place and still not finding the keys. I see lots of nods. Other people have lost their car keys too. Maybe it's your phone, something else out there, something else like that as well. But you search and search and search. And more often than not, I find it in the same place I was it the whole time, like the bottom of my bag or something. And I looked there two or three times, but I didn't find it. But you know that feeling when you find your keys and you're like, yes, and you like want to fist pump the air because you're like, I've looked everywhere for my keys and I found them. There's this joy, there's this relief, and then there's a mad rush again to get in the car and not be late to wherever you were going to go in the first place. But you know, it's a really small illustration of losing your keys, but it reminds me of a story in the Bible that Jesus told about a lost sheep in Luke 15 verses 4 to 7. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he finds it, he will joyfully carry it on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me because I found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. It's an interesting story of losing something. And in this story, Jesus speaks of God or himself as the man or the shepherd in other versions, it says, who seeks out the one sheep that is lost. I love how this paints God's heart for us, his heart that pursues us, his heart that looks out for us, his heart that comes searching for us. But even better than that, it says God is joyful. There is such joy when he finds the one, the one sheep. What an amazing illustration of God's heart for us. God's heart for you, God's heart for me. But can I ask you this question? When you hear this story, which character do you resonate with? See, there's probably three main players in there. There's God or the shepherd or the man who loses the sheep. There's the 99, but there's also the one. And I've always seen that story of the shepherd or the man who's lost his sheep. That's only an illustration of God. But perhaps can I paint this picture for you that as followers of Jesus, as we are on the journey of being more Christ-like, perhaps we are the one who's looking out for the one as well. That maybe there's a part of us that needs to be like the shepherd, like the man who goes after the one. Perhaps that's the character you could relate to most. Maybe you're one of the 99. You're safe within the flock of the church. You're connected, you're content, you're where you're at. Hey, that's okay too. Perhaps you're the one away from a close relationship with God at the moment, feeling a bit isolated or separated from being connected with other followers of Jesus. You know, I paint that picture not in any way to to create feelings of, of guilt or make you feel like, oh, I'm not where I should be. But can I encourage you, my heart and our heart as a pastoral team is that we would go from, Perhaps if you're the one, go to the safety of the 99. Or if you're in the 99, if you're here in church today, that you would work, go towards being the shepherd, the man who seeks out after the one. So where do you find yourself today? Who might be the one in your world or the ones in your world? Who has God placed in your life that you can share about what God has done in your life, what Jesus has done in your life? Who can you invite so they have an opportunity to hear about Jesus? Last year, Pastor Lee, in his message, For the People said this phrase, and i quote him. It is my heart that we would prolifically activate a culture of invitation in our church, that we prolifically activate a culture of invitation. And can I encourage you, we have begun to do this already. We've been seeing people being deliberate in doing this. I think of Phil and Sally inviting their neighbour and gym friend to Easter. I think of Anna bringing her sisters and their families along to church. Well done, guys. You're already starting to activate this, but let's continue to do it. Let's continue to grow in this. Our declaration for the year, Acts thirteen forty seven, I have destined you to become a beacon light for the nation and to release salvation to the ends of the earth. Friends, that you and I are called to be light to those around us. You and I are called to release salvation, to speak God's truth, to bring revelation of God's love and His heart for them to the world. But you know, you might say, oh, well, that all sounds well and good. But what does that look like? What does that mean for me in my Monday to Saturday? What does that mean for me in my sphere of influence? What does seeking out the one, what do you mean by that? Well, let's look at a story in the Bible where Jesus sought out the one and let's see how we can apply the ways of Jesus to our lives today. So if you've got your Bibles with you, you're following on in the Bible app. We're reading from Luke 19, verses 1 to 10. This is the story of Zacchaeus. Starting at verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. You know, I read those five verses and it speaks of Jesus being deliberate. Jesus deliberately sought out Zacchaeus. Jesus deliberately sought out the one. You know, I've often wondered with all the people around him, like think crowds around him. Yes, Zacchaeus climbed up the tree, the tree, but how did he know to pick Zacchaeus? Was it because he was positioned a bit higher that he was visible? Was it just a coincidence that he's like, oh, I'll just pick someone, he sounds good? I don't think so. Do you know why? Couple of reasons. I believe Jesus did really sort Zacchaeus out. Firstly, because the Greek word here in verse five is when Jesus looked up, the Greek word translate not just to look up or saw, but it actually translates to perceive or discern. That Jesus perceived or discerned that Zacchaeus was there. So that's the first reason I think that Jesus was deliberate in seeking out Zacchaeus. But secondly, in verse 5, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. He hadn't met Zacchaeus before. I don't think so anyway. But he called him by name. Jesus knew who Zacchaeus was. Jesus was deliberate in seeking out the one. Jesus was deliberate in looking out for Zacchaeus. See, he had the Father to guide him, to lead him and guide him. In John 14, 31, it says, But the world must know that I love the Father, so I do exactly what the Father has told me to do. Jesus did exactly what the Father had said. How good was that? He had God's insight, the Father's insight, the discernment and perception to seek out Jesus, seek out Zacchaeus but how do we apply this to you and I today? Friends, can I encourage you that you and I can be deliberate in seeking out individuals in our world? See, I sometimes think that I'm a person who might just like see people like the the original word, not discerning or perceiving, but just seeing people in the natural. But I want to grow into be someone who sees with God's eyes, with God's heart, with God's insight. And I'm sure it's the same for you someone who's deliberate in seeking out those in my world who need God's joy, who needs God's peace, who needs God's restoration in their lives. And can I encourage you, just like Jesus had the Father to guide him, you and I have Holy Spirit as our guide, the promised helper that Pastor Phil spoke about last week. In John sixteen thirteen, it says, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. What great reassurance we can have that we have the Holy Spirit who leads us and guides us. He can give us insight and perception to different things. He will lead us as we ask him. He will lead us as we seek out the one. So can I ask you, who is Zacchaeus in your world? Who is Zacchaeus in your world? Who is the one that in the crowds of people that you encounter that God is leading you to? Can I encourage you to ask Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you to speak to the one or the ones in your sphere of influence? Maybe it's one of your children. Maybe it's your parents. Maybe it's a work colleague. Maybe it's a neighbour. Perhaps it's someone from your sporting club or your gym. Perhaps it's an extended family member. The parents of one of your friend's kids at school. Whoever it might be, who is Zacchaeus in your world? See, I have to ask myself the same question Who is Zacchaeus in my world? And I have to be deliberate in seeking out the one. It doesn't always come naturally to me to speak about faith, and I've said that before. But you know, something that I've found is as I've asked Holy Spirit to lead and guide me, He's the one who leads me to the one. It takes the pressure off because He leads you and guides you, He gives you the wisdom, He gives you the insight he gives you the opportunities to share your story or ask about their story. And as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about it in terms of practice and how it takes practice. And the analogy that came to mind was, like, was basketball. So basketball is a sport that requires a lot of practice as does do most other sports. But one of the things that's practiced the most is free throws. Um, because a free throw is a very easy way to get points for your team. So I was looking at, doing some research on it and the average NBA player might shoot about 300 free throws a day. That's a lot of practice. I remember when I was playing basketball, we used to have to, at the end of every training, we would have to shoot free throws. And it was not very fun because you had to get to a certain number or you didn't go home or um, you had to get a certain number as team or you run laps up and down the court. So either way, there was a bit of pressure to make those free throws. But I tell you what, that practice, that repetition of throwing those free throws over and over again, making sure you get that follow through, making sure you execute that shot well, that practice helped develop our, my ability, our ability as a team to shoot better free throws. And it's the same with deliberately seeking out the one. See, it may not always come natural, it may feel a bit awkward at first to take that shot, to seek out the one, to invite someone, to talk to someone. But can I tell you, with practice, you will get better at it. With practice, it'll become more natural. And you'll go, do you know what, I got this. As you see the wins, as you see in that game where you shoot the three free throws in a row and you're like, yes, I nailed that. As you seek out the one, and as you get better at it, it becomes natural. You can celebrate the wins of seeing the one meeting Jesus. So what could this practice look like? Like we talk about practice in free throws. Maybe it's sharing a thought, of faith, or a thought of faith with someone. Sharing your story about what God has done in your life. Perhaps it's hearing about someone's situation, asking if you could pray for them. Maybe it's an encouraging word and a challenging day at work. Whatever it might look like, can I encourage you that you can be confident that Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you? you can be confident that He will lead the conversation. You know, I've often found in my life, like, I don't want to take the conversation deep with people, or I don't deliberately go in taking the conversation deep, but somehow Holy Spirit, when He's present, He takes it deep. And they start bringing up things that, you know, you're like, oh, okay, this is something that I can speak about. I'm sure many of you have seen that in your life as well. You start a conversation with a friend, and, you know, they share something with you. But what I found is in those moments, I even remember this one instance where I was just casually talking to a friend and they shared about a hurt from their past. And in that moment, I just had this thought from Holy Spirit to encourage them with the word. And as I shared that word, you could just see the relief on their face, the restoration, the reassurance on the face, the peace, that the truth of God's word. It wasn't my words, the truth of God's word brought into their life. And this is not something that's unique to me, guys, that I know if I go around the room, I could ask you of moments where you've spoken a timely word into people's lives and seen God's truth transform their life. So I'll ask again, who is Zacchaeus in your world? Who do you need to deliberately seek out? Who is Holy Spirit putting on your heart, even now, even in this moment? Or who has he already been putting on your heart in these weeks? can I encourage you? Let's be deliberate in seeking out the ones in our world. So let's look back at the story of Zacchaeus again, reading from verse 5 to 7. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. Verse 5 in the ERV says, I must stay at your house today. Friends, Jesus went to stay at Zacchaeus' house. He spent time with him. See, that doesn't seem like a big deal for us. But in that time, staying at someone's house, going to be at someone's house was significant. It would involve spending time with them, obviously, but having a meal with them. You know, to do that would be to treat someone as an honored friend. You're showing value to them. You're showing that they're important to you. Friends, Jesus valued Zacchaeus. He spent time with him. This is the same for you and I today, that you and I can value the one. We can love the one. We can spend time with them. What does this actually look like? How does this translate into everyday life? See, at the national conference a couple of weeks ago, I went to the community engagement elective and they used this term that I thought was excellent in terms of describing valuing the one. And so I'm going to steal it today that it's coffee with intention, Maybe you don't like coffee, maybe you don't drink coffee, that's okay. Maybe it's lunch, dinner, a walk, catching up with intention. But what does this mean? It means that you you value people, spend time with them, build a friendship, cultivate relationship with them. But then you're armed with some great questions to ask them. Armed with some great conversation starters to ask them. So tell me, what's your story? Can I tell you a little bit about my story about what God has done in my life? hey, it's so good to catch up with you today. If it's okay, I'll keep you in my prayers. What can I pray for you about this week? You know, really simple things that we can do, really practical things that we can do, but catching up with intention. See, for me, this is something I'm outworking. One of the most common places that I find at the gym where it's a place with intention is the sauna, the sauna with intention. So the sauna is a place where we solve the world's deepest and greatest problems, I reckon. Some or the other, maybe because it's so hot and you can't do anything else, you just think about the deep things in life. But that's where we often have the deep conversations. And you know, a couple of times I've had a conversation, just, you know, building relationship with friends. And I remember one time, um, this friend mentioned how they used to be actively involved in church for a long time. They were very actively involved. And that sort of piqued my curiosity. Like, Again, didn't have to take it deep. They brought it up all of a sudden. But as we unpacked it a bit more, they were sharing how they used to be in church, but don't go anymore. But that then op- opened the opportunity for me to ask, oh, do you mind me asking, like, where are you on this journey of faith? Like, what, what would you say you believe in today? And it just created a conversation that's still ongoing about what God is doing in their life. But it also gave me the opportunity to invite them to one of our services last year. And that's the power of God encountering people. That's the power of valuing people. That's the power of spending time with the one. See, it wasn't anything super spiritual, exciting, like we were in the sauna at the gym. But building relationships, seeking out the one, valuing the one, being deliberate. God meets people where they're at. He draws it out of them. And you know, at this community engagement elective, Paul Bartlett, who is the director for Australia, said this. People are interested in God. However, they are generally only interested if you befriend them first. That's an interesting statement, I thought, because I think today in our society, people are not as trusting as they used to be or they tend to th- think a bit more tr- critically. So if you're going to come over to them and be like, hey, can I tell you about Jesus and they don't know you as a stranger, people tend to be a bit more tentative. Now, I'm not saying here in my heart yet that it can't happen because I've heard countless testimonies of how someone has just come and spoken about Jesus and someone's like, yes, I need to know this Jesus. So there's definitely power and opportunity for that. But you know, as we value people, as we build relationship with them, as we spend time with them, can I encourage you that opportunities will open up? opportunities to share about God's love, about God's truth will open up. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I think like sharing my faith is this big like complex thing. Like I have to have all the answers in the Bible, have to be able to answer all their questions. I have to be able to know what to say or have the right words or I'll stuff it all up. But can I encourage you that's not true? Like, you know, it starts with spending time with the one. It starts like Jesus did. He valued Zacchaeus. He spent time with him. And it starts the same with you and I, that we can value the one. We can spend time with them and watch God do through you what only he can. Watch God minister to people's hearts so only you can. As you cultivate a relationship, as you are a friend to someone, that God will do what he does in mighty power. But don't take my word for it. Let's read the account of Zacchaeus to see what happens here. So what is the outcome of deliberately seeking out and valuing the one? Luke 19, 8 to 10. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor Lord. And if I've cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this house today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. So what's the outcome of deliberately seeking out the one, of valuing the one? The outcome is transformation in Zacchaeus' life. The outcome is transformation in those in your world. See, transformation occurred in Zacchaeus' life as a result of Jesus seeking him out. Firstly, he received salvation. He was restored to relationship with God. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this house today. But that wasn't the only transformation. Zacchaeus' lifestyle and practices were changed. As a result of meeting Jesus, I will give half my wealth to the poor. And if I've cheated people on taxes, I will pay them back four times as much. Through meeting Jesus, Zacchaeus became aware of his all dishonest habits and wanted to put new practices in place, new healthy habits. Meeting Jesus produced a harvest of generosity in him. He wanted to give away his money to the poor. Friends, that's the power of people encountering Jesus. Jesus, through valuing the one, through seeking out the one, through spending time with the one, it brought transformation to Zacchaeus' life. But didn't end there. The transformation extended out to the world. Can you imagine the people that he had cheated, the people he, he had caused harm to, that he was now bringing restoration to them? But also the people who he hadn't met before, he was going to produce a harvest of generosity in them because of the transformation that happened in his life. See, that, that transformation is catching. It spreads. That's the power of seeking out the one. That's the power of valuing the one. That's the power of Jesus encountering people today. But this is not an isolated Bible account. There's so many other stories in the Bible. The Samaritan woman at the well, when she met Jesus, she encountered him. Her life was transformed. But then she went and told a whole town about her encounter with Jesus. The paralyzed man whose friends brought him to Jesus. His healing was a testimony to all those around him. Paul, encountering Jesus on the road to Damascus. He went on to write most of the New Testament. You and I today know about a lot of the Word of God because of Paul's encounter with Jesus. That's the power of Jesus seeking out the one. That's the power of you and I seeking out the one today. The same applies to us today. Friends, seeking out the one gives people the opportunity to encounter Jesus, which in turn leads to transformation. And this is what we want to see. This is what I want to see as we seek out the one. That it brings people to a place literally physically in this place as we invite them or through a conversation that it brings them to a place where they can meet Jesus where they can experience His power His love His truth His peace His restoration for their lives and can I encourage you as I look around the room I see you're already doing this well done I see the evidence of this in people's lives here you know I think of Tani inviting Andy to come to church. And you know, I was asking Andy about this and and Tani just said, oh, why don't you come to my church? And Andy said, funnily enough, I'd been thinking about coming to a church. I wanted to bring Amelia to church, but didn't know where to go. Maybe it was a coincidence that Tani asked her. But you know how I feel about coincidences. It's God. There's not many of them. You know, just as Tani was deliberate and just saying something to Andy, that God was already preparing Andy's heart. And the fruit of that today is she's here. She's in our preschool creche today, but she's connected to our church. She knows Jesus because someone deliberately sought out the one. You know, I think of Pastor Naomi with Pastor Ozzy When she was on the fringes of being in church, of being in part of the church community, how Pastor Nay cultivated a friendship with her, cultivated a relationship with her over food, over making donuts, over painting the church bathroom. Practical things because Ozzy's a very practical person. But you know, through that investment, through that cultivated relationship, we see one of our key members of staff here today. What an amazing testimony. If I went around the room, I'm sure I could hear countless stories of how someone sought you out. Of how someone invited you. Of how someone valued you, spent time with you, built a relationship with you. Chris and Kara, I think of how Rachel has been significant in your life. And how her seeking you guys out and valuing you. That you're here today. What an amazing testimony! What amazing opportunity we have to seek out the one in one in our worlds. And as we do this, watch do God do what He does best: meeting people, encountering them, showing them His love, showing them His truth. Then further on, how cool it would be to see as people's lives are transformed, them bringing that transformation into their walls, into their, spread, into their spheres of influence, to their work, to their family, their friends. How brilliant is that? The power of seeking out the one, the power of valuing the one. And can I encourage you this morning that God wants each and every person to know Him, to be restored to relationship with Him. In 2 Peter 3, 9, it says, the Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And that's God's heart, that He wants your loved ones, my loved ones to know Him even more than we do. And so as I wrap up this morning, let me share a bit of a story about how I'm the beneficiary of someone seeking out and valuing me. See, I grew up going to church, but when I moved to to Australia as a young adult to Adelaide, I was sort of on the fringes of being in church and of faith. I had to decide if faith was really for me. I visited a church in Adelaide, and here I met Pastor Mike and Pastor Chuha. And they were very deliberate in cultivating relationship with me. They would invite me and other students over to their place for dinner, for meals. And as a student, like having a home-cooked meal was like the best thing ever. You know, they caught up for coffee with me. They were deliberate in having conversations about what faith was for me, what God had called me to, what God had put on my life. They encouraged me and challenged me in the areas of faith. They invested in me. And you know, Pastor Chua was actually the one who led me in the baptism of Holy Spirit. See, my life took on a different trajectory because of their impact. They are now based in Melbourne, but I caught up with them at State Conference and was just having a bit of a chat to them and saying, you know, that their investment in me, they're seeking me out, they're valuing me is a big part of why I'm here in ministry today. They set me on that pathway of understanding God's calling for my life. And I'm the beneficiary of that. I'm the beneficiary of someone seeking me out or valuing me. And I'm so thankful to God that they did that. But my friends, we have the same incredible, incredible opportunity to see that happen in others' lives. Friends and family who are yet to know Jesus, that we can be people who seeks out the one, that we can value them, that we can spend time with them and see God bring transformation to their lives. So the question I ask again, who's the one? Who's the ones in your world? The ones or the one that God is leading you to? Who has God placed in your life that needs to hear the truth of Jesus, needs to hear about God's heart for them? Who can you invite so they have the opportunity to hear about Jesus? You know, I wanted us to have the opportunity to reflect on that for a moment because I I believe, I know Holy Spirit is speaking to you about the ones in your world. But maybe sometimes it feels like I'm not sure what to do. I don't know how to approach this. But I believe Holy Spirit is going to give you strategy and insight, even for this week, to invite people, to speak to people, to spend time with people, to value them. See, it may not be this Sunday that you feel like you can invite them to, but maybe it's starting that first step of seeking them out, of valuing them. Maybe you don't have that one person in mind yet, but even in this time of reflection, that Holy Spirit will put someone's name, put someone's face in front of you. But you know, before we end this morning, maybe the story of the lost sheep resonates with you. The story I shared at the start, that you know, what I said, which characters in this story do you identify with? The man, the shepherd, the 99, or maybe the one. Maybe this morning, whether you're here in the room or watching online, you feel a little bit like the one, that maybe you're away from close relationship with God or other believers. My friend, this morning, just like Jesus sought out Zacchaeus, just like Jesus pursued him, that's his heart for you today. That he loves you, he values you, he wants to seek you out so you can experience the transformation that he brings. And the first step of this, the first step towards knowing Jesus personally is through a prayer, acknowledging that you need him, acknowledging that you want him to lead you and guide you in your life. Romans 10.9 says, If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. That you will be restored to right relationship with God. And that's my heart for you. That if you're away from Him, that if you feel like the one, that today is the day that you can be restored to relationship with God. So we as a church together are going to pray that prayer. And if you're here in the room or you're watching online, and you're praying that prayer feeling like the one would you join in this prayer with us dear Jesus I thank you that you came to the earth you lived you died and you rose again so that I could know you I declare with my mouth that Jesus you are Lord and I believe in my heart That God raised you from the dead and because of that I thank you that I am saved and restored to relationship with you come and lead me and guide me in all areas of my life in your name Amen we pray that that message was a blessing to you If you made a decision to follow Jesus, first of all, congratulations. We think that that is incredible. And secondly, if you go to gc.org.au forward slash first steps, our team has put together some resources as well as there's some information there for how you can get in contact with one of our pastors because we'd love to encourage you and connect you into the life of the church.